It's a peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Back together, good to be with you. And boy, do we have a program for you. Our celebration of Women's History Month continues. We will focus in on really what has been a wonderful platform the NBA has been cognizant of, making sure women are in place uh, on the court, in business, uh, officials, league office, Allison Feaster's vice president for the Boston Celtics. She's been at the league office. She's been around a few teams, uh, now heading up a wonderful effort, both on the court and in uh, the general Boston area. Uh, she'll join us a little bit later. Also, a little bit later, we're going to dive inside uh, the mysterious international intrigue that is centering around Brittany Griner and, and detention in Russia in the middle of a Russian invasion of Ukraine. Like it, it almost sounds like a movie. It's that, it's that <laughs> it frightening Yeah, uh, to think about the many layers of that story. We'll get to it in a bit, but let's start off. Uh, Kurt, Lamar Jackson, uh, on an appearance on LeBron James' program, The Shop, you, which I understand now you can find yeah. on YouTube. It's <laughs> on so YouTube, uh, yeah. Yeah, roll it out. I don't out have to ask my buddies there. for the login no more. <laughs> Listen, make it happen. Reach the world, right? <laughs> Who's stacking it? That's, yeah. that, that might be the real. I, I got to go to the group chat right asking there. everybody, hey, who got an HBO login? I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> oh, you better stop. <laughs> Come on now. Stop it, Beverly. Hey, Hills. man. Listen, Come on, <laughs> Lamar Jackson, one of the celebrated quarterbacks. Yes. We don't have black quarterback. It's, it's own it, right? Like yeah. embrace it. But he is one of the celebrated quarterbacks of the National Football League but believes and said in this episode, he still has something to prove being a black quarterback in the NFL. Um, listen, historically, black men were not seen as capable or having literally like full saying this stuff out loud. The mental yeah. wherewithal uh, to gather in the playbook or lead men or have the respect of other white men and coaches in that position he said to LeBron, listen, it's dying off, but it's still there. What, right. what is what is a Lamar Jackson dealing with? Or is he projecting for other quarterbacks uh, that don't, don't have his platform in notoriety? Well, I think the, the big thing of what he's saying, Jax, is that quarterbacks that play the game like I do, that look like I do, um, have to sort of break through. And not saying breakthrough as starting quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson is an MVP in the NFL, by the way. <laughs> like he won the league's highest honor a couple seasons ago, the MVP regular season award. Mm-hmm. He can play the game, but the critics are always going to say that the, his style of play and the, the way that he goes about his business on the field is not sustainable. It's not the norm. It's not what we've come accustomed to. 
And, you know, me, I sometimes play devil's advocate a lot and say, sometimes it can be true because I look at quarterbacks that have won, you know, the last handful of Super Bowls, right, Jax? It's mm-hmm. been, uh, look, Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Nick Foles, you throw in a Patrick Mahomes, Joe Flacco, Roethlisberger, you know, the names, the look, you know, they're all different. Then you throw in Pat, then you throw in Lamar Jackson, a man that was teams asked him at the scouting combine. I just got back from Indianapolis last week at the combine, but teams asked him, could you work out for at wide receiver too? I'm not doing that. Lamar Jackson was asked, can you run a 40 yard dash? No need to do that. Because he knows that if I go out and do that, if I go run a 40 and blaze probably uh, a superior time to some of the other traditional quarterbacks, he will be seen as, oh, no, 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 he can't play the quarterback position. Let's move him to wide receiver. Let's move him to a different position. And what he's saying is, I need to win a championship so I, we can stop the nonsense. That, that's the pressure that's on him. Quietly, as a 25-year-old black quarterback in the NFL, he's feeling a little bit of pressure because he wants to validate his position of quarterback in the way that he plays the game. I totally get it. I understand it. But that's part of it. And he knows that he will get critiqued differently than maybe some of his colleagues that don't play his type of style or brand of football. Did Baker uh, Mayfield get asked to run? Receiver routes at the combine? No, no. And, and I think that's a legitimate like note that they touched on, right? Correct. This man was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Yes. And at the combine, it was like, hey, let's go with the the WRs over here. <laughs> we're gonna give you some time over here with the QBs, but yeah, let's go over here with the receivers and 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 run some drills. And, and he was asked on the show, why did that happen? His response was, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So the the that that covert stuff that still radiated just, just five, six years ago within scouts, like, well, let's just I I know you're the best college player. Right. Which makes him the best college quarterback, right? Like just yeah. by default. <laughs> right? He won the Heisman. I, I talked about MVP. You I mean, they don't hand that thing out, right? Like, yeah, he won the no, Heisman. No, you get it. No, you earn it. And he did, uh, but it's it, it's it's still an automatic. We have an athlete on our hands. Yes, you know, which in some I guess you could see it as a, like a it's it feels like a backhanded compliment. Um, the dream is to be right in the league, and so you may and many have just do whatever it takes to get there. But man, oh man, what a bad read. Yeah, I mean, because it brings up the PTSD of yesteryear of quarterbacks. And we were talking about the, you know, the Doug Williams and Warren Moans, guys that we've had on this program before that we've talked to. But when you ask him that, it brings up stuff for a lot of us that, you know, remember the times where, hey, you weren't, you're not smart enough to play quarterback. You're you're not, you you can't handle what it means to play quarterback. And black quarterbacks just didn't, didn't have that same honor. They didn't get that same look that other guys have. And now I look at the NFL and where it's going and where it's sort of been, you know, the biggest, you know, this week, Russell Wilson, 
you know, was traded from Seattle to Denver. Big, huge news. Right. But he's also a black quarterback. He plays the game a certain way. He's won a Super Bowl, but it's a little bit different. He's still not Lamar. Lamar is doing it different because he's not all in the videos. <laughs> you know, what I mean? had to go old death row on years a little bit. He's not, you know, he's not big, all flashy. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not your poster boy. He's not your American Express, you know, Hertz rental commercials. He's not, you know, we talked about Baker Mayfield. He's the opposite of Baker Mayfield. Very to himself. I just want to win. I want to get this dub. Like, and I think people are so used to the quarterback being sort of the face of not only the team, but the league. Right. And it's a new face. And I don't know if the NFL is ready to embrace what that new face looks like. Lamar Jackson was the MVP. It's a different face. Yeah, it's not the high and tight. Maybe it's a guy in braids. But you got to embrace what that new look is because now kids are looking at Lamar Jackson and saying, oh, I don't have to play wide receiver anymore. You remember Jackson? We used to go to the park. We go play. And best athlete, you know what? Hey, go play wide receiver. Go play running back. Go do this. You know, best player in the basketball. Hey, you the point guard. And then as you got to the NBA or you get to the you know college ranks, whatever it may be of that profession, you were told you have to be this. And Lamar is debunking that and saying, you don't have to be this. And he wants to validate that particular reason of winning a championship will say, see, I told you we can do it this way and still be able to hold up the Lombardi trophy. There's another layer to this, and I want to be honest about it. Lamar doesn't sound the part either, right? Correct. Yes. How eloquent was Terry Bradshaw in the beginning? How eloquent <laughs> right. was Brett Favre in mm. the beginning? Like, give it, like, it's, there's growth that comes in these spaces. Yes. You know, Lamar Jackson two years ago <laughs> sounds better now in just his presentation of conveying what's already clearly in his mind and that he fully can see and and work through and i'm looking forward to what he sounds like a couple of years from now right and a, a just a growth as a player and a man and as a leader this is the space where it happens in front of our eyes and it, and and we should embrace that part of it not push back and say hey it just doesn't it doesn't feel right it doesn't fit now there's a part of this kirk that that he's got all Right. Right. While he's been magnificent in the regular season. <laughs> yes. You don't get denied when you start doing it in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And that's the next layer for him. Am I right about it? No, that's 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 the layer in which people have tried to move the goalposts on him because he didn't have that success early on first mm-hmm. two years. And then he finally won a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And now you can take that off the register. I mean, off his uh, resume, put that or put that on the resume. He's won a playoff game. He's won an MVP. And now he realizes that now the next steps for me is I got to go win the championship. I've already won an MVP. I've won a playoff game. Now I got to go win the trophy. I got to win that big trophy. And I think that's the part for him that he's going out and now speaking on that. Like my mindset is this is what I have to be now. I have to be this. And I look at Aaron Rodgers, who also made big news this week as well. For it's a, it, it's a, it's the biggest similar. of news. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, it's also for him. It's the 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 same thing for that we 
have sort of criticized Lamar of not winning in the postseason, it also carries on to Aaron Rodgers, but he's already got his trophy. You know what I'm saying? He's already won a Super Bowl. So we say, oh, well, he should have more. So this is how they're always going to move the goalposts. And I want him to win. Look, I'm, I'm cheering for him. I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for guys like Lamar. I'm rooting for uh, you know, a young quarterback coming up, Malik Willis, out of Liberty. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. these younger quarterbacks, it, it, it's not what we were accustomed to growing up. They, they're, they're not the Montanas and, and Youngs and, and Troy Aikmans and Bradshaws. They're different. They look different. They sound different. But they bring a different element of excitement. But they also reach a generation of new young football players mm-hmm. who won't have to go and say, hey, son, go run a 40 for me. Say, no, coach, I, I play quarterback. And it, and it won't be second-guessed. Right. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's not a name that you know right now unless you are deep in Celtic culture, <laughs> lore, spreadsheets, uh, flow charts, uh, media guides, right? Yeah. Allison Feaster is the vice president within the organization oversees player development and and organizational growth for the Boston Celtics. She's absolutely fantastic. You're going to love getting to know her as we continue our celebration of Women's History Month here on Forward Progress next. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. Welcome back to the program. Great to maintain our cross-section of sports and race while each week of this beautiful month of March, we uplift and, and celebrate women and their participation in our space. And joining us now is Allison Feaster. She is the vice president of player development and organizational growth for the Boston Celtics. And before we came on, we were reminiscing about the, the many Eastern conference run-ins that, that occur between our organizations. We'll put those burdens down right now. And just We will. Yes, ma'am. And, and enjoy the many things that uh, you're doing uh, within the organization. First, for people that don't understand where this fits on the flow chart, uh, explain how you kind of, I imagine you touch basketball, you touch a little business, you touch the community, uh, break yep. down your responsibilities for us. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really um, a great characterization of, of where I sit. Um, I report, obviously, to our president of uh, basketball operations, Brad Stevens. But um, a lot of my responsibility is being this link, this liaison um, with many parts of the organization, uh, LEAs with the community engagement group, and super proud of that relationship um, with, with that group and our, and our organization. I spent a lot of time with our coaching staff. Uh, just trying to help our organization and our players be the best they can be on and off the court. Um, this this role is really about collaboration. There's so many people who um, devote you know countless hours to our program, and ultimately though it's about the players, um, and and that's where we're that's what we're here to do to serve them uh, to help them be the best they can be. So, you know, Allison, how did you come into this role? Because sometimes it's, was it something that you were with the organization and said, you know what, I want to branch out and do this? Did someone approach you? How does something like this uh, come into your, uh, come into fall into your lap? Well, um, I, that's a great question. I was super fortunate to join the NBA in a program called the Management uh, Development 
program in basketball operations a few years ago. And in that program, I had the great fortune of working with uh, five teams, Boston, Brooklyn, Washington, um, Charlotte, uh, Memphis. And in that program, I was introduced to Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens. Fast forward three years later, I believe, um, when that program concluded in 2017. Um, yeah, concluded in 2017, but fast forward a couple of years when they were looking to fill the director of player development role, I was top of mind. And I, I believe, you know, one of their quick phone calls, uh, Danny Ainge reached out to me to see if I might be interested in joining the organization in that capacity. And um, yeah, it was a, you know, very brief courtship uh, was, you know, the opportunity of a lifetime to be able to come back into the, you know, Boston, greater Boston you know, community, um, having spent time as a student undergrad there many, 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 many years before. <laughs> <laughs> Celtics Vice President uh, Allison Feaster with us here on Forward Progress as we celebrate Women's History Month. The, the thing that's really important about a program like that, and I understand there's a, a program that's developing right now on the business side, uh, right. and this wonderful HBCU experience that's going yes. to occur uh, with the fellowship. Uh, the 60 students are going to get opportunities on the business Amazing. side at the league level and team level uh, to develop skill set, understanding, see the whole landscape. But how important is the mentoring? How important, I call it godfathering. It could be godmothering yeah. as well, but just the whole <laughs> point of having someone who is going to have you top of mind, number one. And then that's been a challenge for decades, obviously, for people of color and women specifically too. Uh, but, but how important has that part of it been? It's been what I've thought has been the most important aspect of what's coming for these, these students from historically black colleges and universities. Right. Uh, that God parenting, we'll call it, that, that mentorship is, uh, is crucial, um, not only to, you know, create the opportunity itself, but also to erase all doubt that a person in a role, in a junior role, in a, in a starting role is worthy and all those many, many, many years of hard work are are valid and and pay off. Um, I you know just looking back over my time when I first started the league office, and um, you know my my supervisor Bethany Donovan, who's now the head of WNBA league operations, saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Um, Drew Gooden, who was also in that cohort, yeah. uh, saw something in me. And I didn't see it myself. And um, I remember we had a um, a session at the end of the program where we each went around and gave each other affirmation, affirmations. And, um, you know, simply put, they told me that I was a boss in their eyes. And so, um, you know, that that's something powerful for someone to hear. And so... Um, I took that and I ran with it. And that's what I hope to uh, be able to do with up and comers and, and our organization and, you know, what young women and girls and, and others who aspire to be where I am. Um, I want to play that same role, that same mentorship, that same God parent role, you know, for them. So super important, a long way of saying that. It, does the NBA WNBA do enough to let folks know these are opportunities? The trumpet is blaring probably right. now more than ever, particularly for this fellowship that we just talked about. 
but right. but these new opportunities of coming in and, and moving through the league office and and through right. teams to really get this traction. Uh, yeah. it's, it's probably not the top of mind for most students uh, right. or, or folks that are trying to find a life in basketball. Well, I will say the, the, the leagues, the NBA league office and it's, you know, leagues, subsidiary leagues and teams do a great job of putting um, those of us who have, benefited from these programs they do a great job of putting us you know front and center and allowing us the to amplify that platform i've had a lot of w players reach out to me and you know just to learn about my trajectory uh and it's with great pride that i share and also provide connections for them should they you know choose to proceed or pursue you know opportunities such as the one i i was fortunate enough to have so um yeah, I, 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 as much as I can, I like to share my experience because I know it just takes one, one interaction, one moment of, um, you know, hearing a story that could ignite a, a spark in someone and open a door for someone above all. You know, Allison, do you ever sit back and look at your journey and sit back and say, wow, how did I get here? And then you going all the way back to high school and going to Harvard, playing in the WNBA, and then finding yourself in the space that you're in now, at what point during the journey did you ever say, man, I can't believe I'm doing this. And wow, how did I get here? Right. I, that's a, that's an everyday, you know, question. Uh, how did I get here? I still ask that question. I'm 46 years old and, um, and not that title means anything, but to a lot of people, it means something. Um, a vice president within the Boston Celtics organization. I take great pride and knowing that I have that responsibility, and I also take great, great, great pride in um, being a good steward of it, because I know these opportunities are few and far between. Our, you know, team front offices are super lean, and not everybody gets the chance to, you know, to work in a field in an organization in which I don't know. It's just it's. It's unbelievable. Um, not that it's perfect, but it is unbelievable. Unbelievable to be able to do what I love, to work with our wonderful players, to work with our our staff. Uh, I'm super fortunate. So that's a daily question I ask myself. And I will add, above and beyond the basketball aspect, the power of a Celtics brand, the power of being a woman of color, the power of being a woman in such a role is is crucial. It's crucial. Representation matters. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm super cognizant of it. I don't know how I got here, but I do know that I, I take it super seriously and, and understand I'm fortunate. Well, we love titles around here, so I'm going to spit you one more time. <laughs> Vice President yeah. of Player Development and Organizational Growth for the Boston Celtics. Allison Feaster with us here on Forward Progress. It's Morrison and Jackson. Uh, let's talk real about uh, Boston. Uh, Boston yeah. it has a lot of fantastic American history. Yes. But from a racial standpoint, it is, it can, it's confused. I, let's put it yeah. that way. I, I have always uh, had a struggle with that space because if I wasn't going to be a broadcaster, I was going to teach American history. And yeah. the cradle of it comes out of that space along with Philadelphians and a few other cities. But it was the first town I ever heard the N-word spit with hate. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Nuts. Nine right. years old, back bay. Yeah. A couple Southies coming in, bringing the pain. Yeah. And it framed my entire thinking about that town. And then I grew up a Lakers fan. So then there was that. And then I worked for the Miami heat. So then there's that. And I have all of this preconceived notion, hearing the stories of D Brown and, uh, and Bill uh, Russell, of course, you just frame it. So you have this program focused on racial injustice and social inequities in that space. Celtics United. 2021 version of Boston and what you're working against and toward is what? We, we pride ourselves in being a community organization um, and we are cognizant of uh, our city's racial history. Um, We're also cognizant of the racial climate, uh, you know, beyond um, because we are, you know, representatives of a player group that is, you know, predominantly African-American. So we, we, we hold that responsibility dear as a community organization. And we want to be good stewards of that and we want to make an impact. And so um, a lot of great things came out of the tremendous pain of George Floyd's death. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were able to mobilize as an organization, uh, you know, through, through the, I guess, the voice of our players and wanting to be representatives of them, um, we came together and with our, with different stakeholders, with our investor group, with our coaches, with our team leadership, ownership, um, to, I guess, what's the word, um, have this initiative that we wanted to, across six pillars, make an impact in the community. Um, and so, and I will, I will say this, I'm from South Carolina. And uh, if anybody thinks that the racial history of Boston is any different than other areas of the country, you know, that would be a mistake to a certain extent. Um, You know, we we all have to face our our racial um, pain of the past to be able to, you know, forge a a better future. And so I think through Boston Celtics United, we're trying to do that. It's, It's a small, small, small step in the grand scheme of things. But to us, it's very important to be able to award um, grants to Black-owned businesses, businesses that traditionally have trouble getting, you know, funding um, for for their businesses. Um, We are super proud that we're able to educate um, mothers of color, Black mothers around the importance of maternal health. Um, we got our players and some legends engaged on educating, you know, the black community around the vaccines when they were uh, first coming out, Um, you know, small steps that for us are super important that in the grand scheme of things make a huge difference for our community. I'm not sure if this event that you have coming up is under the Celtics United umbrella, or if it's just something that you're doing, reaching out, but it seems super awesome as we tape this, uh, this, this week. The following week, I understand you have right. a program in uh, in this celebration of women this month uh, with middle school female students uh, focused on empowerment, positive identity development, the importance right. of representation. Tell me why that age group and 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 what you hope to plant there. That age, so I will say, our community engagement. Um, we we try to look through everything that we do through a racial 
justice, racial equity, social justice lens. Mm -hmm. And so um, we have two... We have two women of color in our front office. We're, we're very proud to say, on, on the basketball side, on the business side, we have we obviously have others, um, from, ranging from the vice president down to the coordinator level. We want to be able to show um, young women and young girls in our community that anything is that this is attainable for them. This is a, a reality and a possibility for them. Um, and so that age group because um, we, we were them at one point. We sat where they sat and we um, mark but one notch on a potential journey for them. So um, it was super important for us to tap into um, that age group during this time period uh, in celebration of, of Women's History Month. You know, one of the things I was looking at, one of the pillars, uh, the six pillars of Celtics United. And when you look at breaking down barriers and building bridges between communities, Kind of what goes in that, especially with some of the challenges of guys who or people who are so focused and passionate about their basketball team and they don't really care about what's going on outside the walls. It's like, hey, I want to win. We want to win championships. We can care less about what goes on outside the walls of the garden. Right. The beauty of, of basketball um, and the beauty of sport is that in and of its sport and basketball in and of itself um it, it's a common language and through this common language, the many values of community, of unity, of um, teamwork, of love above, above all, um, you know, are, are things that you can transmit across any barrier whatsoever. And so we have this common love of, of basketball and of sport and this breaking down barriers and building bridges for us is a, is the synergy there is is quite evident. So um, we've used this. We've used the sport and and Greater Boston community to to build those bridges to have conversations with youth. For example, we have a playbook initiative in, in conjunction with Project Three Fifty One, where we teach um, we teach values and have conversations, and we empower youth to go out in the community and be leaders and, and teachers. Um, and so for us, it was a seamless synergy and we're, we're super proud of, of what is coming out of that particular pillar. Something awesome about basketball. I'm, I'm going to apologize to my football freak, uh, <laughs> of a partner over here, hey, but don't they, start it, over it. Don't it, start. It, no, but it, it, Kirk, you know, the, the unique thing about this sport, uh, soccer, maybe, uh, in the same neighborhood is that at, at a certain core of this. And we're seeing such a wonderful wave occur in front offices and broadcast booths with the officials that is, you know, that this decade can own um, is that it's, it's just basketball. We have the saying down here. It's not personal. It's basketball. We can just get to the core of it and it has to feel great. Allison, that there will be a whole generation and you're, you're starting. And that's why I asked you a question about those middle schoolers that won't think anything, boys and girls won't think anything about, Women coaching, women being in the front office, uh, it'll it'll just be right. SOP. Yeah. yeah, we're yeah, it's we're starting to socialize this kind of, this what was before a foreign concept. <laughs> like you're absolutely right. This is going to be hopefully the norm. Um, I was on a panel the other day at uh, the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, and uh, there was a a vice president of marketing, Wasserman, his name is Broderick Hicks, former basketball player at uh, Wake Forest. Mm. And he said, like, he wished he had 
um, women as coaches growing up because of what could he have learned? What kind of person could he have become today had he had a different voice, a diverse voice, other than, you know, men who had a similar background? So um, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of this, this way that is socializing, that this is normal. I remember earlier you said it's, uh, this is just one small sector, one small part of it. But as you continue to grow in this space, where, where do you see it going to? Where do you see or envision, um, not necessarily the ending, but more so of where do you want to expand to? Me personally? Personally, yeah. Personally and also within the within the, within the uh, unity. Um, you know, I, I'm honestly, I don't really think about, um, I don't get caught up in like mapping out what's next. Um, I know that's, that's probably bad advice for, you know, up and comers, but I'm really super thankful for the moment. Um, I am super fortunate to be in an organization that is competitive, that is It's a a caring organization and we're looking at where we are on a day-to-day basis and trying to figure out how we can get better, um, you know, in the short, mid and long term. And so, that's, that's my focus right now. What value can I add to this organization so that we can be better um, and try to impact uh, those within? And then they are, I'm happy that they allow me to impact those, you know, externally as well, like the, the youth um, and, and our fans. So that, that's where I am. She is Allison Feaster, Boston Celtics Vice President of Player Development and Organizational Growth. It's one thing to celebrate history. It's another to engage with someone who's making it. We appreciate you taking the time for us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. See you in the playoffs. Yeah, (laughs) it is. is. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're going to take a break right now. And when we come back, uh, we will focus in on the latest American to be detained in Russia uh, as supporters work desperately to free WNBA star Brittany Griner. That is, we continue here on Forward Progress. You're listening to Sirius XM Radio. Radio. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. The story, Kirk, about Brittany Grainer and being detained in Russia over alleged drug charges the the word i've used to describe this beyond scary is mystifying um she has become the latest of several americans who have yet to secure their freedom from a country that's increasingly isolated from everything else in the world due to their invasion of ukraine that's the mystery and kind of the murky part of it um because there's so many things right as 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 everybody's boycotting and and the U.S. government continues to lay heavy financial sanctions, crippling sanctions. Yes. I believe the ruble, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't want to be held to this, I'm not an economist, but the <laughs> ruble has fallen to the same value as the U.S. penny. Yeah. Like, that's the analogy that I heard recently. Uh, so Russian authorities are doing almost like that cloak and dagger movie stuff. Right mm-hmm. now, that's how insane this sounds. Um, here's the backstory: authorities said 
Griner, who plays, by the way, Griner, who plays mm-hmm. in Russia, because for folks that don't know, WNBA checks, they've gotten better, but they're not enough. Oh, yeah. All <laughs> life. So for right. decades, women have yes. done both. Correct. In the winter over in Europe um, and summers here at the WNBA. Um, so she's over there in the, the winter gig, had cannabis oil in her luggage while in Moscow airport last month. And she's been accused of smuggling significant amounts of a narcotic substance and an offense, by the way, punishable by up to 10 years in prison. There's so much backstory here. I wanted to at least give some perspective uh, to our audience connected to a conversation I had this weekend on NBA radio, uh, myself and uh, a man who's filled in in your <laughs> yes, my <on> God, program, <laughs> Amino Hassan. We host NBA Insiders every uh, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time, 7 a.m. out west for the for the hoop heads who like to get mm-hmm. up early on Sunday. Uh, and we had Howard Megdahl. He's the founder and editor of uh, the Nine new le- newsletters in Title Nine and the Next. He is an authority on uh, women's sports, specifically the WNBA, and, and gave us this context. It is a very frightening story from a time in the world that is obviously deeply concerning to all of us. And, you know, just from the perspective of basic safety, basic questions, sort of every aspect of this is now designed to have a cloud over it. So there's there's a lot that we don't know and a lot that, you know, requires hope and uh, information that's still to come. But... Uh, certainly what we know already is concerning enough. As I understand it, uh, you're talking about a scenario that was attempted to be dealt with quietly. And so it makes sense that there wasn't a lot of press around this. You know, there are diplomatic channels that don't involve this going public. Uh, You know, again, it is worth noting that even the announcement yesterday, uh, weeks in, did not include uh, anything like saying Brittany Griner has been charged. Uh, you know, so this is clearly a scenario that exploded into public view for a very specific set of reasons at this time. And it's hard not to view them as uh, having to do with the diplomatic process having broken down. So there's just so much at play here that is really like beyond the team, beyond the league, Mm -hmm. uh, that when you have this type of scenario, one of the major reasons why we didn't hear about this for almost a month is that diplomats are trying to make this work, right? Get, understand it, get through sovereign law, which you have Mm -hmm. to deal with. And then most importantly, get these people out of the hands of um, this administration that is raining hell uh, upon its neighbor. And the timing of that has to make this murkier. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. I think for, for me, I, I just know that a black woman is in, is being held <laughs> over in, in yeah. Russia and in times where we're watching a lot play out between Russia and Ukraine. And you know, we're on this side saying, hey, what is this all about? Is this truly what happened or is this is she being dangled like a political carrot to the people 
uh, or to the government back in the U.S. You know, what are you going to do? And you hate to uh, to see it. And and like I said, we're still gaining and getting more information um, as the days go by. But we, I mean, I know for me, you know, I, I want to make sure she's safe, her, her safety, and sort of this space of, um, you know, trying to use her as a pawn, and maybe in a grand scheme of things. And I definitely don't want that to be. So yeah, it is concerning, and yes, it's a, it's something that I definitely have been monitoring. Because this is something, you know, while seeing her, you know, the little the mugshot of of her holding, you know, the the board and saying who she is and all of that, and I mean that's scary stuff for anybody. And I know for her, um, you know, I'm not sure what she's going through at, at, at the moment or where she is, but I definitely want to see some closure to this, and hopefully she's able to move on and and she's okay, honestly. I want to get to what her family has to be dealing with in a second, right. but we're talking about now, now let's make this, and, and this is what's been the challenge, right? Right. It's one of the greatest basketball players ever, ever. <laughs> yeah. Right. One of the WNBA's greats of all time. Yeah. Two time Olympic gold medalist. Uh, she's been a star player in two different countries on this planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, One of the greatest college players I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, so let's do the obvious, right? Now I'll, 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 I'll fall into the devil's advocate, you know, Morrison portion of the program. There you go. <laughs> Who's her NBA equivalent right now? Right. Like, mm-hmm. uh, is it, you know, that's the tough part. Let's let's just use Durant, and I'm yeah. not, you know, no, I, I, I that might that, not be the right parallel, but let's let's go there. And he's over there, and he's in these dynamics. That's where the challenges come from. A lot of people of is there a different dynamic that's at play um, if if it's one of the male stars from the NBA right. or any other male superstar that found themselves in this position. Would it be so challenging? And my premise, my initial premise, my initial feeling because of the invasion is yes, it would be. Like this is beyond unique in its time and dynamic. Um, But here's the thing, like it's no secret. Like people die in these spots in Russia. This is like we don't have incarceration like – figured out here in the united states no by any stretch but i think our paperwork's better i think (laughs) the at least what can be the accountability you know by the community by the press is still better right than what it would be in russia um it's a slippery slope to get into this space about would it be different but it's the question that everyone keeps asking me and i don't have a good answer uh, yeah, I think that's that's the tough part. We don't have the uh, the answers that we want, but what we do know is, um, you know, that she's over there. I mean, and this story kind of came, and it's just like it's kind of coincidental to to this story breaks. Yet, this is also what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. And each day, I mean, that's what I, that's I, I watch the news every night just so I can get what's going on in my area. But 
when you're leading the news with another attack on here, another attack on there, what's the U.S. involvement on this? Right. And so now I got to keep saying, here we are. Is this her being held or the way that people may treat this situation in Russia more about the situation, more about what she's allegedly accused of? Or is this now making a point against the U.S. that, hey, we have one of yours yeah, and on. we we will punish to the to the maximum? We We know that our diplomatic relations with that country at the moment are non-existent. Correct. Like they don't exist. And so the Biden administration is, is doing the things that you do in trying to get Griner out of Russia. Um, Con- Congressional Black Caucus met with the president early this week as we taped this, and um, they feel good about the efforts, uh, but it's, a real thing for Griner and her family, her, her wife, Sherelle, mm-hmm. um, described the agony of waiting in an Instagram post, quote, there are no words to express this pain. I'm hurting. We are hurting. Mm. Yeah, man. <laughs> and you do, and this is just a waiting game and you don't know. You know what I mean? That's That's the difficult part, man. Yeah. Listen, she needs to be released immediately. The United States has to demand that and is working in a space where those demands are falling upon, I would imagine, deaf ears in Russia. Yeah, oh, so I agree. This is, this is frightening. This is frightening. And she's not the first. And uh, there are these, these names and faces that we don't know um, that are currently dealing with the situation right now. And right now, simply we pray for them all. Yeah. I think that's, that's, that's what we can do at the moment and uh, keep sending, you know, positive thoughts that, you know, she'd be able to come home and get this thing all figured out. That's going to do it for this edition of the program. We appreciate you stopping in. We're so happy that we had that time to spend with uh, Allison Feaster, the vice president from the Boston Celtics. What, uh, what a delight. Yeah, Can't wait she was to great. visit with her and hear more about what uh, Boston, uh, Celtics United are yeah. up to uh, in Boston. She didn't drop one year. Harvard reference on us, by the way. I thought yeah, she yeah, would come on, utilize with, everything. I thought she was going to hit me with one Harvard reference. You know, this all good. I'm <laughs> gonna get coming. her across that. She come back on next that. time. We're gonna get her. I'm a teaser. <laughs> uh, that's gonna do it for us. For our producer, Brunel Brown. That's Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time on Forward Progress.